All right, today's podcast is an absolute don't miss a second. First of all, an exposure of the media that no one could deny. The whole theme of today's show really is they have they have outed themselves as such radicals that even Democrats are saying, I, I don't want this. Things are changing dramatically. Plus, the guy who wasn't treated properly, given fentanyl to, you know, help him breathe up at a hospital in uh, Minnesota, was actually transferred legally here to Texas so they can save his life because the, the hospital up in Minnesota didn't like the fact that he hadn't been vaccinated. If he would have been vaccinated, maybe he wouldn't even been here. That story, plus more on the Great Reset, more on this craziness of Stephen Colbert, and the future of cars, all on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Okay, so Stu, the New York Times book list was announced to authors and publishers last night. Okay. Now, just a little bit of history. Now, these numbers are off the top of my head. I'll, I'll post the actual numbers later. But you now have actual scans, and even the scans are, are off and can be off by a few thousand because book scan doesn't necessarily scan everything that right. is going through, okay? But it right. is the best it's out there. The, 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 no, the known way that the industry measures book sales. Correct. Um, and so book scan is out there. We also know exact numbers, how many books Amazon sold. Right. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, book scan and Amazon don't match. Book scan is lower than what we had reported from, uh, from uh, Amazon. However, it's all within the park. Okay. The New York Times list came out. Now, BookScan is reporting a lower number for us at 56,000 books. So, you know, last week on the New York Times list, the number one book sold, I think it was around 17,000 books. Okay. Number one book. Okay. Let's just say it was 25 because I'm, I'm just remembering these off the top of my head. I, I, left, I left the actual numbers at home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, that means... Just with the numbers that we have, all right, which is lower than what we actually sold. Sure. Uh, we're double what they did last week. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. We're number one. By a long, by by a large a margin. long shot. Now, we have been number two on the New York Times list several times. And it's usually, you know, it'll be debatable. It'll be like 5,000 different. Right. I know. remember one of your first books came out and it was number one on BookScan and number two on the New York Times bestseller Correct. list. Okay. I think it was, it was Stephen Colbert or something. Yeah. was and, against you that week. And what they try to do, what they say is we have our own algorithm and they do. And they, you know, the little bookshop around the corner gets, you know, if they sell one book, they count it as two and thousand they, books <laughs> yeah and if books. there's and if it's mm -hmm. you know sold at walmart or costco or something uh, they're lucky to even count it well because right? those peons don't count they don't someone count. who would walk into a walmart doesn't count for books okay. they can't read okay so the number two book 
uh, this behind me, mm-hmm. according to BookScan, sold, I think, 21,000 this week. Okay. Okay. So you're, we know you were more than double, almost more, triple. Yeah. Almost triple. What the number two book What the number this two is not book. Add well, is okay. it? Oh, wait. You haven't begun to hear. Number, th- number three, mm-hmm. okay, in BookScan, sold like, I think, 20,000 or 17,000. Okay. Then it goes down from there by the time you get to number 10 mm-hmm. they sold like five thousand books mm-hmm. okay okay guess where the new york times has put the great reset we sold double the number of number two and we know for a fact that your actual number is much higher than the book scan number. <laughs> Again, for people who don't know this stuff, book scan is like a the accepted measure for the industry. It's like the U- as, it's like UPS. You go into a store and it goes boop. That that's like a book scan. Mm-hmm. Okay, that just reports what has been checked out and right. and sold. Now there's different things they you know that make the number uh, lower, but it's. It's basically in the ballpark. And we should note that Amazon itself, obviously the largest bookseller in the country, Amazon itself released their top books for the week, which included not just hardcover nonfiction, which Mm -hmm. is the category Mm -hmm. you compete in, Mm -hmm. but all books across all of Amazon. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the nonfiction books. Right. This is just hardcover nonfiction. This is not all of the books. Right. Okay. This is just nonfiction. Bookscan is the books out of all books right the bible everything is included that's book scan we were (laughs) twice almost three times the amount of the number two books selling where did the new york times put us on the list obviously the correct answer here is Is number one one. correct what's what's your guess (laughs) you're saying it's not they're actually not it's not number one so what where is it hitting me no it's not number one you're more than double no 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 Answer the question. Well, number two. No, it's not number two. <laughs> Wait. Take, a, take another Come guess. On. It's not number two. I swear to God. I got this last night and they said, Glenn, you're either going to be really pissed off or you're <laughs> going to love this. And and I they said, brace yourself. And I, and I heard the news and I was like, are you kidding me? This is the greatest thing ever. Where did the New York Times put the number one best-selling book by almost three times the number? Where are we on the New York Times list? Number three. Nope. No. <laughs> no way. I'll help you. It's not even number five. What? Nope. The Great Reset came out yesterday as the number 12 Best-selling book in America, according to the New York Times. Number 12. Okay. Is there something? Are they wait, ca- wait, 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 wait. Oh, there's more. The number two best-selling book is by Robert F. Kennedy about Fauci. Okay. They sold either 21 or 25,000 copies. Mm-hmm. They're number 13. So the third best-selling book the third, fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine, 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 nine. Those books, those were all ahead of mine. A, a, a book that sold like 5,000 copies ahead of mine and Robert F. Kennedy's book. Is there something to no. do with like, because you haven't even, the book hasn't even been on sale for a full 
week has it no they, they this is the this is the i guess this is when you get it this this would be the one it's not you like they're the like maybe only counting some pre-orders and this is the week before the list comes out this, no, this is, is the it. list this is the list number 12 number number 12 number 12 now here's why i love this story because i don't love it i, I gotta say no, no, i know no, no. you I, love it i, I don't, don't love it okay because i don't care about the list especially with this book i only want people i because i said yesterday i'm i'm done with amazon why is it that, amazon put you as number no, no, one i'm wait, starting wait, to wait, love wait, amazon. Wait, wait why is it you cannot buy my book on amazon they didn't print enough copies right or yes, didn't order enough copies there were no copies available for two months and they had a buy button you could order it it'll ship now it'll ship on this date but you could order it. Yeah. You can't even order it now. The buy button is gone. Well, you can buy it on Kindle. You can buy it on Kindle, but you cannot buy the book. Well, is that because they just don't? I mean, they wouldn't be selling it on Kindle if they were blocking it. Here's right? the thing. Here's the thing. They're doing it because they say they have oversold right. so many mm-hmm. that they don't. But that's they do that all the time in pre-sales. It helps the publisher know how many copies do I need to print? Right. Okay. So they do that all the time. It's not like, I don't know if we're going to get this book. It's pretty shady. You know, they're, they're printing them out of the back of a Chevy on the border of Mexico. Right. They know these books are being printed and coming. So you can't even buy it in hardback now. You can't pre-order it in hardback. I have never seen anything like this before. Never. Nor has anyone in the publishing industry that I talked to yesterday. They've never seen anything like this. Now, here's why I like it. First of all, we've all known that the New York Times plays games. Yes, that's known been known for Forever. a long time particularly Forever. with conservative authors correct and they've always played it in a way to where you're like well you're number two and you're like no i'm not well we have our own algorithm there is no way to take a book that is sold three times the amount of books that the number two book sold mm-hmm. and put it at number 12 on a smaller list of nonfiction. not even all the books but a smaller list so imagine, okay, so there's no way, no algorithm could ever explain that. None. Zero algorithm could explain Unless that. Unless you're just literally not counting books from Amazon, which yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Obviously, they are. Right. So how did that happen? Coupled with the fact that Robert F. Kennedy, a guy I disagree with, I disagree with his book. I disagree with his thesis. I disagree with uh, being an anti-vaxxer. Okay? Disagree with it. His book is behind mine. And it was the number two selling book. uh, This is, by the way, why am I not in the top 10? Why is it number 12 and number 13? Well, it seems like they're just picking whatever number they want. It's really critical 
you're there's called the New York Times list and then they extended. Yeah. The extended goes to 15. Mm-hmm. OK, so you can't put you can't just not even have me on the list. OK, that's insane. That's next this book. is their thinking. Yeah, I know. Yeah. This is their thinking. <laughs> you can't just do that. But don't put him on the top 10 because bookstores they're all arranged by the New York Times bestseller list. This keeps my book and Robert Kennedy's book off of those big shelves in bookstores. Okay? Because it doesn't matter what sells the best. Those books are all arranged in every bookstore, every air airport as the New York Times bestselling list. So you have like airport bookstores. They're not going to order the book. If it's not on the top 10, they're just, it's like, you know, how many jelly beans and how many books? They don't care what the book is. They're just going from the New York Times list. So not only did they lie about this, not only is it so clearly an agenda. I mean, it's not even in the ballpark. So clearly an agenda. So clearly non-representative of what any kind of best seller list should be. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also have revealed themselves now as a group of people that will not only fudge that number, they will out and out be crazy about that number, even to their own detriment. And they'll take the extra step to make sure that that book is not seen in bookstores. This shows the New York Times to be nothing, nothing but a political machine. This is, this is honestly, what's left? Book burning? This is using all of their power to silence people. I mean, we just had a debate on the air here a minute ago. About having Robert F. Kennedy on the program. He's wanted to be on the program. I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him at all in any way, shape, or form. But you don't hear me hiding his book or, you know, hiding his point of view. I just have limited amount of time. I'm not sure if I want to have him on. Last night I heard this and I'm like, I want Robert F. Kennedy on. (laughs) Not because I agree with him. I strongly disagree with his book. But you have a right to be recognized you, I mean, this is the the wall that the Germans put people behind to silence. Now go ahead, talk all you want. Just behind that wall in the ghetto. You just live your life. We're just not going to show it to anybody. Once they can get away with this. By the way, one other piece and I'm going to take a break. Go Google search or better yet, go to YouTube Search Glenn Beck, The Great Reset. You will find nothing. Nothing. How is it possible with all of the things that I have talked about and all of the clips on YouTube about The Great Reset done by me, all metadata, all tagged, everything. Nothing comes up in your search no segment from your show comes up. There's other segments about you uh-huh. saying bad things about you. Right. right. But nothing from me. 
Yeah. Not possible. No, yeah, obviously. I mean, we have entered the digital ghetto. Something that they all went crazy about. How dare you say that? Digital ghetto. Uh huh. Broadcasting from the digital ghetto behind the wall that the state and their allies have built. Recognize that it is real. Then ask yourself, why? What is it they're afraid of? It's not just the truth. It's you. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. All right. I, I want to get right to the, uh, the family here that uh, is, is dealing in Texas. Had to come from, uh, had to come from Minnesota because Ann Quiner's husband got sick in Minnesota. They live in Minnesota. Fighting for any kind of medical freedom in Minnesota, not happening. So they had to transfer him down just to be treated because he didn't take the vaccine. So now he's in Texas. Anne, welcome to the program. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing good. And I just want to thank you and I just for honoring. And I feel very blessed and honored to have to be on your show. Oh, well, that's kind of you to say thank you. And I'm glad you're here in the great state of texas your attorney is also on the phone right correct yes i am yes and i'm sorry i didn't get your name i'm sorry my name is marjorie holston hi marjorie how are you wonderful thank you okay so Anne, if you can tell me the story of what happened to you in minnesota um, basically around October 25th, my husband learned that he had tested positive for COVID. Okay. Uh, he was coughing and he had had bronchitis in the past, but he did a test and it came back to his phone that he was positive. So uh, for, he stayed home for four days because he was afraid to go to the hospital because we had learned from other experiences, you know, the nightmare, the horrific nightmare that people would had going through, especially with, you know, protocols. But his oxygen levels were dipping, so I brought him to a hospital that I thought was an independent hospital, but it turned out to be a part of a line of clinic where he was transferred to again. Mm. And so um, basically when he was admitted to the hospital, um, they immediately put him on a drug called dexamethasone, and it's an IV. And uh, he texted me a picture, and he said, I'm finally feeling better. My oxygen is good is up. Good thing I'm that I came in. Well, I didn't hear from him for a few days. And um, I learned later that that drug is, if he was having shortness of breath and he was hypertensive and his blood pressure was up, they should have never given him that medication, first of all, because it it pushed him into, um, if you look at drugs.com, that drug, there's drugs that actually can push you into intubation. I don't have that in front of me right now. Holy cow. Okay, so, so, so wait a minute. Now, now, hang on just a sec. So he goes in. He had not had uh, a vaccine. Um, he didn't want one. You didn't want one. Uh, and so you bring him into the hospital. I was just talking to a doctor yesterday who said, Glenn, this has got to stop. He said, when is the last time somebody with diabetes went in 
and was diagnosed with diabetes and they said go home take an aspirin and when you're about to pass out maybe come back to the hospital and we'll treat you there are treatments that you can use to lessen these uh, and they're making fun of them and they're they're banning doctors from using them why did they choose this drug did they say for anxiety for anxiety huh yeah they said that he had anxiety and then later down the road when i went back and i looked at his chart they put him on fentanyl versed fentanyl fentanyl 50 milligrams seroquel it was <laughs> okay so when did you when and when did you call uh marjorie the attorney um that was uh actually i uh shane necklin i i was in contact with him and priscilla who's i hired a patient advocate priscilla from grace llc and she both of them contacted uh, shane contacted marjorie because we um it came to the point where they contacted me and said, we are going to turn off Scott's ventilator. And I recorded it to, from, to my phone because I, was, I refused to be in the meeting. I had already been in another meeting like two weeks before where they wanted to turn off the ventilator. And that's, so I said no. And I said, you have other, I have other options and I, I, other choices that you are not doing. And I am not going to turn off Scott's ventilator. So I contacted Shane and my Priscilla they contacted Stu Peters, and then it went to um, uh, uh, the, my attorney, Marjorie. And that's when I, we said this, it went viral because we said, I said to them, if, if I don't do something now, they are going, it, I said, I told them. them that I do not want them to turn off the ventilator. And if they do, that it is highly illegal what they were doing. And they said, we do not care we made the we made the call. We whether you're here or not, we are going to turn off the ventilator on January 13th at noon. So I got together with Marjorie. We made the connection. I went over to her house, and she typed up the restraining order, and we submitted it. Marjorie, have you ever seen anything like this before? It was absolutely stunning. She came in and she has this uh, order. It, I saw the screenshot from her my chart that says he is scheduled basically for execution noon the following day. And it was the afternoon of the day before when Annie came to my office. So documents are filed electronically. So we sat down and started drafting up the documents. The court closes at 4.30. We didn't even get all the documents filed January 12th in time to get an order before that. I had also called the hospital and said, be expecting a temporary restraining order, praying that I would in fact get it. Midnight, I received an email that uh, the hospital had hired one of the big downtown law firms, and they were opposing our action. Um, And then the following morning, when the court opened again, the judge said that opposing counsel, Mercy Hospital, has until 10 o'clock in the morning to file a response. Um, And Glenn, if I can read to you one sentence from their response, um, we were the plaintiff. 
Mercy Hospital is the defendant, and the response says plaintiff's position, and again, our position is that we want Scott to live and not be killed, right. but plaintiff's position is not supported by medical science or Minnesota law. As a result, Mercy will ask the court to issue an order that Mercy has the authority to discontinue Mr. Quiner's ventilator and proceed with his medical care plan. What? <laughs> what? Is that sizing him for a new suit? What What exactly was their medical plan well, the there? the medical care plan was the plan to discontinue the ventilator at noon, which would lead to death very shortly. Okay. So that was at 10 o'clock, but then at 11 o'clock before the... 12 o'clock execution, the judge did, in fact, sign an order saying the hospital is restrained from pulling the plug. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine, Nan, what that felt like. Um, okay. So, so at what point did you say, we got to get him out of here and, in fact, out of the state? <laughs> From the very time that I dropped him off, I heard that he was transferred to the hospital. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I tried um, back probably two to three weeks before when we originally met the first time when they wanted me to put him in palliative care. They called me at home and said, I, you know, we want to put him in palliative care. They told my daughter at the hospital without me there, they kept saying, why aren't they were turning my family against me? They, my pastors went down there and they said, we want to pray for Scott. And there were three of them, and they said, the charge nurse said, there is only one person allowed for visiting hours. And so my one pastor said, I'll go in there, and then the two of us are going to go down to the chapel and pray and wait, you know, down there. She called the head of security to come down and remove us from the chapel. Oh, my gosh. I have a, by the way, day, welcome to Texas. I'm a priesthood holder in my faith. And it takes two for a healing prayer. And so uh, I had my best friend was in the hospital. There's only one person allowed. I called the doctor. I called the hospital and I said, not using my name or anything. I said, uh, we need to go give him a blessing. There were three of us in the room. There wasn't even a there wasn't even a thought in a Texas hospital of no, I'm sorry. We got to we got to restrict this. They let the priesthood in. They let people give blessings to people and they waive those rules. So welcome to Texas. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Then, so then uh, they, uh, the next day, they allowed, I, I went in, there was, li there was literally 10 people in my husband's room the very next day. So I went from one day where there was one person allowed to come in on visiting hours, and the next day there was 10 people in my, in my husband's room. They didn't call me. They didn't ask who the people were that showed up in my husband's room. And um, what they did is they were telling my family that I was being very difficult and that they were pushing them to get me to either put them in comfort care or sign the DNR. And so it was this response that I was getting of, he's critically ill, what's wrong with you? Why are you allowing this to happen to him? And so then I was put in this position of, yeah, you know, telling them this is what they are doing to him, and no, it is not right. You know what so, they were. Every time I asked them about their protocols, their plans of care, I had to ask them what their plans of care every day, the cycles of medications. You know, it was it was just 
nonstop a cycle of just hysteric. It was a nightmare. Okay, so now you're in a hospital in Texas, and I don't want to give the hospital name away or anything, but what is what are the doctors here in Texas saying? So he showed up right when Scott was at the hospital, when Scott first arrived on LifeLink, and he went to meet, he said, I, he showed up, I said, he said, I want to go spend some time with Scott. He said, I want to get to know him. So this he is a doctor. About two, the doctor spent okay. two hours with Scott, and he came back out, and he said, um, I don't know how you even made it, how you, he even survived that other hospital, and how you even, he survived even. You know, and he said, but I am going to do everything that I can to try to save his life. And he said, I'm going to order like an EEG. I'm going to order a CT scan from head to toe. I'm going to order labs. I'm going to order this. And I said, oh, are you going to do that tomorrow? Because that's what I was normally used to. And he said, no, I'm doing that right now. He goes, this is a hospital. Glenn, can we add in that when Scott did arrive, the doctor said Scott was the most undernourished patient he had ever seen. When Scott first arrived in the hospital, when he first got sick, he weighed 210. When he arrived in Texas, he weighed 180. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so, uh, so Marjorie, what is the plan to stop this from happening in the most misnamed hospital it it appears uh, on the planet mercy hospital and others in in yeah. in minnesota well glenn yeah. we are first bringing this battle to the court of public opinion and you are absolutely critical to that role and we thank you for having this on yeah. what we are showing the world is that scott was near death because of the protocols used in that hospital but now he is recovering. He is getting better. Yeah. Um, and he yeah. has some amazing stories, if you have time, about how much he has improved. So here's what here's, we are absolutely thrilled. Here's what we, I want to do. We're not planning a funeral. We're planning for his release at some point. Okay, here's what I, here's what I want to do. First of all, if you're listening, uh, I want you to go to givesendgo.com slash an, A-N-N-E give send go.com slash Ann. this is a way for you to help support the family mm-hmm. uh they are obviously this is costing a ton of money and if we can <laughs> as a community let's let's help give send go.com slash Ann. let's take care of that one first then uh let us stay in touch with our producers and and me and let's uh, monitor this case and find out you know i, I want to see the the milestones that are hitting if we can talk to the doctor i would love to introduce uh, interview the doctor uh and uh, we'll be continuing this story with you both thank you both very much for what you're doing and bringing this uh, to our attention as well as the rest of the country Anne quiner is her name her husband uh, is named scott and you can pray for him. He is now in a hospital here in Texas, uh, away from um, a medical facility that on tape is saying things would have been different if he just would have gotten a vaccine. Really? Uh, again, givesendgo.com slash Ann with an E. The best of the Glenn Beck program.
Kim Iverson. How are you, Kim? Hi, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. And I don't hate you. I, I don't not like you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, it does. It, honestly, Kim, I mean, if you did, stand in line. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I know a lot of people think that, you know, some of the things I've said, you know, are crazy. Uh, but a lot of those things are actually come uh, out to pass. I'm just way ahead sometimes. Uh, and sometimes I do get it wrong. But on the Great Reset, I was so glad to see. And even if you didn't think I was a loon, you should say that because you'll get people who don't walk in lockstep with me. You'll be like, oh, I know he's crazy, right? But wait a minute. What? This is right? <laughs> well, you read right into my playbook then, I guess, on that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that was that was actually part of it. You know, one of the, the things in covering it, because so many people do think it's a conspiracy theory. Um, I did need to show the clip of you on Fox News. You know, it's a it's a, a, in a you know, establishment media operation and it's being discussed and this is something that that does need to be talked about because it's very very real this is not a conspiracy theory it i mean there's a book written the great not just your book but the like klaus, klaus schwab, schwab book. yes have you uh, read the, that kim have you read I that have, i have not i just read excerpts from it okay. and it is you know you know and i could see where people would read it and say okay yeah there, we've got a big problem and we've got to fix the problem uh-huh. where we have uh, systems that are eroding and and democracy that is fading and capitalism is the root cause of this problem. So I could understand where entities would turn it into, oh, no, this is going to be good. Uh, they're trying to turn us into communists. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and also where people would look at it and say, yeah, we do need a change. And look, these elites, these powerful elites are going to what help us fix it. They're going to be the ones in charge. What, right. and, and then what's the plan? He doesn't give us a plan. He doesn't tell us what the agenda actually is. It's very vague. So there is a uh, a. I think it's Reuters uh, um, fact check today. It was on uh, Twitter. The Great Reset is the World Economic Forum's proposal for post-COVID economic recovery. Reuters and the BBC report. Reuters does a fact check on the story. It says, despite repeated misinformation being shared online about the Great Reset, this sustainability plan proposed by the World Economic Forum is not a secret plot to end private property or create a totalitarian state. I think they're right. It's not a secret plot. Um, but it, it, in their own words, they say by 2030, their goal is to make sure that no one owns anything. Hello? Yeah. Right. They, they stated this and then they kind of backtracked on it and they said, well, we didn't say that was a goal or part of the agenda. <laughs> We're just saying that that's what's going to happen. We right. just predict uh-huh. that this is what's going to happen, that you're going to own nothing. And then, of course, you, do you remember Bloomberg just recently ran an article saying, you know, we're turning into a nation of renters, and it's not a bad thing. Right. I mean, this was just a few months ago. And of course, who are they? They're part of the World Economic Forum's partners. And so that's how they're going to, so, I, I guess, kind of get us into the mindset that this is okay, by just continuing to say it over and over until we all say, yeah, okay, that's fine. So, Kim, I, uh, you know, the circles I run into, I, you know, everybody knows and has already made a decision about me. Um, you are in a circle where you can actually talk about the facts and and see how it's being discussed without people either being polite or rude uh, because they've already made a judgment about an individual. What are you? What did you see on the Great Reset a year ago when you were talking about things and what you're seeing today? Has it changed and how? 
I would say a year ago, there were a lot of people that were bringing it up to me. So people would always say, Kim, look into the Great Reset, look into the Great Reset. And it just sort of became this, um, I, I really wasn't sure what it was. Mm-hmm. And when I would research it, I it wasn't really that clear. So yep. I kind of ignored it because I really didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I got to say, even even after doing the piece that I did on the Hill, I still don't fully understand it because they're not that, they're not transparent about what it May is. May I send open. you a copy of my book? <laughs> I would love, I would love to read it. Okay. I really would. Yeah. I would love to read it. I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, but yeah, I just wish that people were more, uh, you know, they, they, they've made this a part of their website. They've continued, you know, the World Economic Forum, they've continued to promote it. But we, the people, don't know totally what it is. They're not, I mean, you know, you've written a book. People that maybe read your book know about it. But otherwise, how well, do people know about this? I will tell you this, that it is, out of everything that I've done in my lifetime, I think this is the most important story of my lifetime. And I have seen a lot of important stories. This one is the turning point to freedom. And, you know, you can say it's going to be a golden utopia where your freedoms are completely changed and run through elites and everybody's happy about it. Or you can say that usually never works. Um, Whichever way it is coming unless people understand it. Once people understand it, that's why you have New, um, uh, New Hampshire. They're passing a law. They were just doing it yesterday, uh, working on a law to make sure the banks don't get into ESG and start refusing loans. Uh, the same thing is happening in West Virginia and in Texas. And I hope that sweeps. If people know what this is, they can change it. But we're running out of time because this is very well advanced. I, you know, Glenn, how? How are we going to change it? We're talking about the, we, we've got a global, global world leaders. We have uh, global corporations, people with billions of dollars behind all of this. I don't know how we, the little people, are going to, even if you've got a bunch of money, like you've got a bunch of money, but even with your amount of money, you still don't have enough money to counter this. I don't know how we can actually because, counter this, even uh, if we know about it. They okay. control everything. So, no, um, we allow them to control everything. Here's the thing. I really, truly believe that there are enough Republicans, Democrats, and independents that still love America and believe in the free market. They may think that parts of it are broken. They may want to change certain things. They probably, all of them, feel it's corrupt one way or another. But they don't, they're not willing just to say, that's over, let's try something new. Just like the American people, I don't care how you voted, I don't care what your skin color is, when people said, let's reimagine policing, they weren't for that, okay? But they didn't know exactly what to do. This is being run through the banks as the main source. The banks are going to start issuing ESG. They already are. They're scoring people. They are now starting to say, you're going to be too much of a risk if you don't believe in social justice. And in a few minutes and on the special I did last night, I showed you how that will affect even your auto loan in their own words, all the way down to your auto loan. All you have to do is think locally. If there's enough Republicans, Democrats, and independents who really understand what this is, the minute they start saying, you know what, 
I'm not going to allow my 401k to be invested in BlackRock. I am not allowing JP Morgan Chase, whose stated goals are these things, to have my money. I'm going to put it in a local bank, which will make my local businesses stronger, my local community stronger, and they are, have the best chance of standing up against this. You can go ahead and do your own thing. I'm not going to beat you on the global scale. But I'm telling you, there's enough people that will strip them of their power, strip them of their resources enough to be able to cripple them to at least slow this way down. Yeah, I agree that they they definitely miscalculated a bit. I think that with the pandemic, they were trying to see where we were all at. It was a temperature check. Yes. To see how the um, how Americans would respond uh, to shutdowns, and I, I can tell you, as somebody who's always been coming from the left, I'm I'm a liberal, but I'm the one liberal that you and your audience can love. Trust me, <laughs> uh, is you know I, I have never appreciated more federalism in my life yes. than during this pandemic. Living in California, I live in Los Angeles. Uh, more than anything, I've been eyeing Texas and Florida as I want to move. I, I moved from Austin, Texas, to LA, and now I'm like I got to go back. To Dallas or, or See, I got to get to Florida or something. And, and the, so I think you're right that it, it does come down to those choices. My only hope is that we don't end up, you know, dilapidating the small business sector of which is really should be the backbone of the U.S. economy so that we can implement the plan that you're talking about. But the pandemic killed so many of those modern businesses. I know. But so again, if if we stop doing business with and I'm you know, I'm not I'm not saying you should do this. I'm not leading a charge on this. I'm just saying this is what I have done. I don't have money in any major uh, global or national bank. I've taken my money and I have put it into banks that invest their money in local businesses and keep that money in local. I am helping strengthening the local business. If we start just doing that, that goes a very, very long way. By the way, Kim, I'm so glad to hear that you are you, you'd classify yourself as a liberal because you make my point. Look at us. You said you said, I, you know, many things I think Glenn Beck's a lunatic on. Fine. That's great. <laughs> but you even have gotten to the point to where you're like, I don't care what I might think of Glenn Beck personally. He's right on this. That's new. That's new. Yeah, there's definitely a new a, a realignment that's happening politically. Um, I, you know, I, I like I said, I, I have always been a liberal. So, yeah, I don't agree with you on a lot of things. And I don't agree with people like Tucker Carlson on a lot of things. And, yeah, maybe I think both of you are a bit loony because of that. I'm sure you think I'm loony, too. But I will say over the last few years, I have been shocked to find that when I would listen to your radio show, I would sit there and nod my head in agreement. And then I'd be like, I cannot believe I'm sitting here agreeing so much. And <laughs> Makes you question life, life itself, doesn't it? It, it does. And yeah. it, well, yeah, yes. And I have, the same, I have the same thing with Tucker where I'm, I watch a show and I'm like, I cannot believe that I agree with him. And I feel like you, that the, the left has moved so they've outrighted yes. the right in a lot yes. of ways. Yes. And we're seeing this new alignment. And you know, it's like I don't I don't want to be participating in racism or authoritarian totalitarianism. I don't even recognize what's happening around me right now with the people that I've always aligned with politically. And I and I am not alone. We're, there, there's, we're not represented in establishment media, but I am not alone. And I and we could tell that by just looking at my numbers in the views that I get being on the Hill, being this sort of independent 
um, outsider that is that is realigning. And I think so many of us are getting together and saying yep. we agree on so much. Yep. Maybe there's some things we don't, but we agree on a lot of things. And one of those big, th- big things is we want to keep America free. And that means not being so into this collectivist mentality that we all have to be- behave uh, in this, you know, as one, like a Borg. Right. It's that being a free country means being an individual. We have to we have to hold on to that. Kim, I you can call me any name under the sun. I love you. Uh, I have been I've been preaching for a long time. Stop having conversations about politics and just start a conversation with this. Will you give me at least nine out of the first ten of the Bill of Rights? If if we can agree on that, that's our unum. That's our e pluribus unum. We all believed in those things. And I truly believe that there are tons of people who classify themselves as liberals or Democrats that see this and they are like, wait a minute, wait, what's happening? And they don't they are not for getting rid of the Bill of Rights or as Stephen Colbert said last night, get rid of the Senate. That that's insanity. It's insanity. And this is where we link on basic human rights. Yeah, absolutely. It's true. Kim. We're realigning. <laughs> thank you so much. God bless you. Thank and anything you. I can do to help you, just let me know and I'll send you a copy of the book, okay? Oh, great. Thank great. you, Glenn. Kim Iverson from the King Kim Iverson Show. You can find her on YouTube at her page, Kim Iverson, uh, or KimIversonShow.com. Also, she appears on The Hill. Da, 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 da.